This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wood, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal Cast and YouTube. I've started recording, and you're going to take us away. All right, guys, welcome to the newest quarantine. I think this is week three or four edition of the Cabal Cast. We are this week going to be covering the upcoming now delayed release of Akoria. Yep. But now that we have the full set spoiler up, there's some interesting things to keep in mind for this set. Oh, we have... Not just what it means financially, but design wise. Yeah. Uh, we have full mechanics. We are missing the land cycle still. So, not quite all the. Sure. Um, confusion lies in the fact that we are getting Commander 20 spoilers at the same time we're getting set spoilers. So. That's... See, that's and that's interesting to me because the commander set, they're supposed to be commander decks for every release now. So why are like are these for that or what's going on? I have no idea. Yeah, it's but, but we're we're here to talk about what we have for uh Akora or Ikoira, Akoria. Big Some Godzilla kaiju. stuff, yeah. Kaiju magic. Yeah. yeah. Why not? Better than Battle yeah. Cruiser, it's Kaiju. Uh so one of the things we wanted to talk about and um this might be the, the quicker of the two topics, is that the w- with the delay of the release, that creates some interesting paradigms in regards to paper, but it also gives people a lot of time to kind of stew over what they're seeing in the set, but immediately it looks like the set is being uh, adopted fairly highly. People are really excited yeah. to play with the set. Things look interesting while returning mechanics and uh, cycling and the idea that's been tossed around of uh, the... Um, Keyword counters, as well as hybrid yeah. mana, are are making things uh, pretty interesting for people. And the set just looks f- fun and interactive. How much it changes standard, we don't know. But there's a lot of design space to work with for players. And so what we're seeing is that people are kind of excited and happy for this. Um, Godzilla, yeah. notwithstanding, you know, people are going to be polarized on that. Some people are big into kaiju, and you gotta temper that. Um, yeah, I, I actually like the inclusion of i external IPs like this into the Magic Project uh, product, but I don't know how I feel about it in collectors boosters and the the boxes and stuff like that. I think it's a cool addendum to the set. It just yeah. creates this weird financial pillar for sets like this that's going to inflate uh, the the value of some of these boxes over time. If we do see the set sit around, it'll inflate. Yeah, um, but like as a player, I'm actually kind of excited to to crack the box or two that I'll buy. I mean, how do you feel about it? I mean, I I think this is a set that financially is it's in a weird spot. Like we said, the staggered release mm-hmm. uh, legality dates don't change. There's going to be a huge rush at first for singles, uh, but I think that it's probably one of the best edh sets we've had since like kaladesh oh absolutely yeah and i think that that is only good long term for this oh yeah i being able to like have that market means that depending on how things go because i know a few stores that have just flat out said they're not getting it at all Hmm. because they don't know you know one when they're gonna see business again yeah or two, you know, is it going to, by the time they reopen, 
is it going to be the next set time? Mm -hmm. And they can't afford to sit on all that product for so long and then not do anything with it yeah. and have to pay for another release. Yeah, it's a, it's a ton of capital to sit on. You're not, you're going to take a bath on it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that it's definitely long-term, probably one of the best sets we've seen in a while because there's a lot of cards that seem like absolute EDH heaters here. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I've long contended that's that's how it is yeah that's the market that's where it is casuals dictate the market and you need to go to that yep. in order to be able to get what you want yeah i like and speaking to that i like looking at some of these playables for for constructed and seeing like okay this definitely slots into edh because these are repeatable effects that people are looking to put into their decks ninja of the deep hours is a good card well c dasher octopus is another ninja of the deep hours luminous yeah. brood moth is a is a combo piece for either a mono white deck or a heavy white uh, edh style deck that just wants to infinitely recur a creature it's yeah. really interesting looking at this kind of stuff uh, the new Astral Slide and the new Lightning Rift that were uh, released as well today that I don't think are translated yet, so they're not up on spoiler. Those yeah. are essentially EDH fodder immediately, but they might see standard play. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, it's as we've seen with a lot of sets recently, there's immediate standard playables that don't get their EDH chops until much later. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's that's going to be really interesting to see what pops out of this, especially because we're going to have an extended period of this existing without being played. Yes. Where we can't physically play with the cards, but you know, it, it's kind of interesting, Magic being in the space that it's at now because of COVID, we have to like Skype in for physical card games. Mm -hmm. So there's guaranteed already people playing this regularly, more so than there were before when it was just like CEDH players that would proxy up the spoilers for their newest demonic consultation list and jam and you have just your kitchen table guys yeah that are doing this now because there's nothing stopping them no not at all why and, not and it, i think this plays nicely in, into the point that you know the, and we're going to talk about this later in the other section that you look at the set and a lot of it seems like it was ready to be the first set designed for the digital products yeah. rather than paper we'll like so we'll go into why we think that later on but it almost fits that space fairly well so playing kind of digitally even though manually with yeah. somebody kind of gives off that same feeling the the concern that i have surrounding the paper product for this is that you know we delayed the cast because i was feeling a little malaise about this yesterday because i wasn't ready to talk about the set we Got an yeah. announcement today that Watsi is doubling the number of free mystery boosters boxes that are going to stores. Uh, it was just a, a, a quick hit on their the site today, and we can see, you know, five mm worth of mystery booster boxes coming. They're going to double it to ten. It the hoops that these that stores have to jump through to double their allocation are fairly wide. It's an easy process, but that's going to dilute the money into this product for who knows how long on a product that's already delayed by a month. We don't even yeah. know really when these mystery boosters are going to be hitting, and people are so focused on this product because it's a great draft environment that they might skip over Akoria because they don't have the funds and it goes right to the next set. Thus, the paper yeah. adoption for this is fairly low overall. You know, I think great set. It it might just be a a confluence of small things that come together and make this a very poorly selling set in the short term. Thus, it's going to yep. throw finances out of whack. I, I think picking up a collector's booster might 
booster box might be the way to go to open or to sit on. I think the Godzilla, the Godzilla promos are just going to be gas later on. Um, yeah. You know, some of them are already pre-ordering for 40 the player, the playable ones. The Broodmoth being Mothra, we know it's a combo engine already in a number of formats is pre uh, for 40 There's another one. It's it's not Corona. That one's uh, between 3 and 5 right now. Yeah. Um, there's another Godzilla that is the box topper that's also selling for 40 and it's very playable. But those promos are going to hold a lot of money. So sitting on even sealed boxes with the opportunity to crack one of those promos might be worth it in the long term. This could be, you know, kind of a return to form for low count sealed collectors. People that don't yeah. have a lot of room, you can't hold an entire case, but you can hold two boxes. Sure, the set might be perfect for that later on. And I, I think one of the interesting things to speak, you mentioned Death Corona, and I wanted to touch on this. So, you know, there are certain cards that are just worth money for the memes, like French Delay, for mm. example. Uh, Death Corona, they issued that statement about, they're going to change it, they're going to take it out, whatever. So it'll be interesting to see if that specific version, rather than Void Invader, carries a little bit of a premium. Yeah. But I, I agree that this is, it's not Mythic Edition, they're not doing Mythic Editions, they're not doing Masterpieces, they're Collector Boosters. But I think this is probably one of the better ones we've had in terms of, like, long-term collectability. Yep, uh... Even with the change to the numbers in the collector's boosters overall, there's going to yeah. be a guaranteed Godzilla promo, uh, a foil or not, in in every pack. Basically, the yeah. the EV on these packs, initial napkin math, if set adoption is what we've seen previously, puts the EV of these packs higher than the rest of the collector's boosters that we've seen based on the additional, or sorry, on the, the changed numbers. But... Yeah because the buy-in on these might be so much higher, the market might flood a little more. And the same thing with regular set openings in the what they call draft boosters now. If those contain the Godzilla stuff at the same rate that we saw uh, Full Arts in uh, Theros Beyond Death, <clears throat> excuse me, then we might see a market kind of flooded with those and thus things will trough fairly quickly. Yeah. So you got to play that game and it becomes a waiting game. But there's no way that the stuff just doesn't carry on and hold a, hold a premium. For sure. Yeah, I, I imagine this isn't the first time we'll see additional licensing. I, I assume this was an easy pick for them, but I, it's kind of weird that they went for Layer of Behemoth to do that instead of the actual like Asian-themed block in Kamigawa. But that was a different time in Watsi where they didn't look at additional IPs and really make these obvious pulls from pop culture. You know, yeah. If we were to ever return to Kamigawa... I would assume something like this would have been there. So it's good to see that as we do go to additional places, we might get these kind of call-outs. But uh, people want to or look at this and say, oh, they're buying additional IPs, rather licensing, so that's what you can buy your license. This is the death knell for the game, et cetera. This is not They, they already have this license, and they've been using it. Like, Hasbro has the license. Yeah. So I, that was the biggest thing I saw. You know, same thing. They were like, oh, it's magic's over, magic's over. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm the last person to say magic is not dying. Believe me. Yeah. This is not a signal of that. No, I, I, at all. I think this is just more to do with uh, earnings reports and Hasbro wants Watsi to squeeze more blood from the stone. And so you got to do something. So you do. Yeah. You test the waters with effectively a generation, a, a character and a universe beloved across generations that spawned an entire, you know, movie genre. You start there and then you just go and see what happens and you pick stuff you own, you know. Uh, if we see yeah. Mr. Fucking Mr. Potato Head coming out, game's dead. You can call it there. Absolutely, I agree with that. But so. uh, like the My Little Pony stuff didn't kill it. 
Like, and that yeah. was for charity. But I, uh, I, I don't think the people that got that were going to charity. But maybe I'm wrong. I, I mean, to yeah. be fair, mine is my set's not in the state. I bought it and yeah, I immediately maybe. shuffled it away. Yeah. Like you leave. Uh, you leave now. Yeah. <laughs> um, the. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, I was actually going to ask if there's anything more you wanted to talk about in regards to like uh, what we what we've seen on set adoption or anything based on player sentiment about this. No, it's all been generally positive. Okay. Um, you know, the big thing is, you know, kind of this segue into our next topic. I, a large number of people I've talked to, and you and I have discussed this, and we agree. You know, I, it seems like this set is designed for arena. Yep. Uh, it's it's so Hearthstone in nature which is awful for paper magic. Yes. Absolutely terrible. It does not work. And that's, you know, companion, the deck building requirements, which, so I, I talked to a, you know, a high level judge and asked, you know, so this seems awful. And he was like, no, it's fine. Uh, because, you know, we, it doesn't put any more work on the judges. It's on the players to call people out when they do something they're not supposed to. Yeah. Which, like, sure, I get it. You know, and I said, well, then they can just hold it in their hand. And the counter I've received from literally everyone is, well, then they have a dead card in their hand. Like, is that going to stop you from cheating or angle shooting? Like, obviously, you can't cast it in Arena unless you meet the requirements. Yeah. Yeah. It just seems like... Yeah. I, I, uh, I'll, I'll bring up the both of these because, you know, brand new cards. I originally thought the Hippo was going to be uh, the problem card, uh, Karuga, because it has a yeah. CMC 3 or greater. And I thought, oh, this one's going to be a little harder to figure out. Um, you're going to see a lot of 3s. And early in the game, people might sneak some 1s and 2s in. What I think might cause a little more problem is actually one that came out today, Luris of the Dream Den, and this is the black yeah. white that also has a CMC requirement, but it's two or less. And the reason I think this is this one's a little harder to deal with overall is uh, I didn't think I, this didn't hit me. This came from Pascal Maynard, and he just said, you know, bear with me for a moment, and threw out a Jund list, and it's just Jund at the one two CMC slots. But you have Hex Drinker as a threat, and you're just this aggressive deck, right? But Jun traditionally plays Colagon's Command and Fulminator Mage, and on the occasion, uh, Lily of Lily Vale always, except for now, yeah. and the the three CMC Lily from Eldritch Moon. These are standard cards in Jun, a deck that has existed for close to a decade in Modern, and now the paradigm has changed to where you need to play two or less. There exists the opportunity that you can sneak some threes by people because they're just accustomed to the way that Jund was built for so long. This, yeah. to me, is a little more of a signal of, all right, this is going to be harder to track in paper. How yep. vigilant do I have to be now as the player? I originally thought the entire onus would effectively be on the judges and that deck decks would deck checks would be terrible because you have to yeah. read through the list, see what companion cards are in the sideboard because that's where they live. And then, what are the restrictions? Go through the deck, check the numbers, and then check the CMCs across the deck. I thought judges were effectively going to have to do what Moto and Arena would not let you do, which is submit an illegal deck list to a tournament based on your companion card. Yeah. And that's that's the thing that would have that would have been so upsetting to me, because they already put so much work in, and you're putting the extra onus on them to do that. But they, the argument was, they can be in your deck without the companion requirement, you just can't cast them without that. Yeah. So, like... 
they'll check the decks. Sure, fine. But you've got to catch someone doing something in order to be able to say, hey, judge, this isn't right. And yeah. that's a little not okay to me. But, I mean, we'll see. It's real angle shooty. And people have said, well, nobody's going to do that. And I said, well, if you're going to dog your Urza lands in the top eight of a pro tour, why would you not angle shoot in this way? Yeah. Sorry, not sorry. No, not at all. I don't think you should be because this is... I. I did misread Companion when it first came out. I thought it put the restriction on your deck in its entirety. Like, you couldn't submit the deck at all, not just not cast this. I mean, that, that and that uh, rereading it, that's what it looks like. You just can't cast this. Sure, it's just, like I said, yeah. it was effectively a 61st card. And, and and so it goes. But the opportunity is there, and people will take advantage of it at all levels. You know, people cheated FNM. Why not? And, you yeah. Know, uh, GPs are still infinite rounds. You know, at the middle and end of day one, like, people are tired. You're going to be able to sneak stuff, stuff past them. It's going to happen. I I like the design overall. I understand the design better. I understand why judges aren't the first line of defense on this. I just like it better for digital than paper, you know? Um, yeah. Companion also introduced... I believe the second card ever to be banned in a format during spoilers ever. Granted, it was uh, the Otter for EDH as opposed to Mind's Desire for Vintage, but uh, Laturi, the uh, Spell Chaser, which is effectively just a better dual caster mage, allows you to have a fork in your hand at all times. Yeah, I, I didn't understand. I didn't get the card. I I thought it was just dual caster mage, and then it was pointed out on Twitter to somebody else, and it just floated by that. Think about it as having an on-demand fork, always, and that's why the card is banned in EDH. Like, yep, that's how powerful com- com- companion can be. Yeah, and and the thing is, especially thinking how, you know, Wizards has unintentionally designed stuff to be busted AF over the last. Uh, Shadows over Innistrad, Cons of Tarkin, Theros, original Theros, yeah, six years, original Theros, what a bad set. Um, Considering how bad that's been, I think it's pretty, pretty likely that um, we're going to see some not so great things. Yeah. I think it's just going to be a a mess for players. Uh, Similarly, the, the keyboard counters, great idea. Love it. Watsy has an idea of how to track it, which is the same punch card system they gave us for uh, Exerted back in Amonkhet. A little flimsy yep. piece of paper. Not going to work out that well uh, with that. Star-, yeah. Star City solution for dragons and cons in the cons of Tarkir block uh, with, with their sieges, their Exerted stuff, which is basically just a, uh, a laminated piece of paper. Quick, easy solution. Watsy prints labels on demand at events. I don't know how they're going to track stuff without just slips of paper. And that's the feature match yeah. area. That's fine. But now you have an entire event running behind you that still needs to track all those counters. Things are going to get messy with that. I. Yep. I mean, obviously, nobody's going to respond back. I thought a companion product to the set would be great in 3D printing. Uh, little hexagonal 
tiles that have the arena icons on them for the, all the keywords because every keyword has its own unique thing. And if you're trying yep. to merge effectively these two products together, why not use that to bridge the gap? Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the thing is. Somebody's going to make money we, off that in the end. Yeah, yeah, they, they are. But I, you know, and it'll be interesting because I was, I thought, you know, the Amonkhet token punch cards were great long term because like those things are just going to get destroyed. Yeah. And eventually there's not going to be any left. So whatever. But, you know, tokens, there's a million of them. Who cares? It, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how these fringe cards like this, like those tokens and stuff, maintain long term. Mm. Specifically, like I'm only interested because I find it fascinating that it is the first card besides Chaos Confetti, which doesn't really count because like it's an unset. That is designed to be destroyed. Oh, the yeah, whole purpose of those token cards is destroying them. Yep. And I think that that is like to me that is fascinating, because obviously supply is going to dry up eventually, yeah. and you're not going to have anything to do. Like flip cards sell here and there. Um, the original yeah. Innistrad flips with Delver on them, and then uh, Dark Ascension with Huntmaster. Like those had a price tag for a while. Yeah. Like, and I mean, how many of them have you seen come through collections or whatever, where everything's scribbled out? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Except Jace Friends Prodigy, Huntmaster, you know, whatever the case yep. may be, Delver. That's just how it is. Yep. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how that la how that goes long term. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Uh, like, I threw out every one of the punches from Amonkhet and Hour of Dev. Every single exactly. one was tossed. Yeah, I, and most people did. They were just like, ah, get out of it. Here's a one row of punch-outs for... <laughs> Macoria. Yeah, and roll it. And it'll be interesting to see, like, if those actually do get value long term, because you've got people who collect tokens. Yeah, are are those people going to be like, well, I'm gonna, you know, collect all these and punch them out and use them? What was it? Who or for cubes? What was it in the Discord? Was it the Sapperling tokens that somebody sold yeah. for like seven bucks uh, a pop? Yes, Card Kingdom had them on their buy list for five dollars by mistake when they were fifty cents on TCG. Yeah. Uh, and it was like five of us from the cabal, I, and you got on it too. I thought, just like drop shipped yeah. from TCG to Card Kingdom to just kill the buy list. Yeah, uh, it was great. Uh, but uh, along the lines of like easy to track digital, hard to track paper. I put this in the show notes. Did you get a chance to read Udaro? Yeah. Okay, Udaro is a good example of do X Y times, and this happens every now and again. We get a card like this. However, Udaro is a little more unique because it actually looks like a decent finisher if the time comes. But again, if this card becomes playable, what's the plan? How do you track whether or not you've cycled a Udaro once, twice, three, or four times? It's another piece of information you have to track outside the game. And again, the longer a game goes, the more opportunity you have to angle shoot something like that. See. And, and that's the thing, is that it was fine with Approach of the Second Sun because it was two times, and you knew it yeah. was six cards down or seven cards down. And it down. changed your... You knew yeah, it, it's coming up. And it made a change to life totals, too. So you could see on your yeah. on life, life pads, we should be tracking a paper, that something happened at least once. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and this, this will be interesting because you basically have to, you know, write down and communicate. Or Arena yep. will, or Moto will just keep track of it for you. Yes. And it doesn't matter. Yep. And... I think that for me, the main concern is if they continue to design sets like this for digital, I think it's looking more and more like it will be five years by design that Paper Magic is dead. 
okay. rather than by like incident and mismanagement. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, the the further they push digital design first, the sooner we we lose paper standard. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, I I understand that. It, it may again. It makes for an interesting uh, paradigm that we're moving into because this is very easy to see. You know. Yeah. I worried about in. Um, in Theros, the green white walker, and how you were going to be tracking the enchantments you were exiling on enchantments. Like, it just create, you could create this spiral of chaos using, like, yeah. your own banishing light. Uh. If you, you banishing light something of theirs, and then you use the green white planeswalker to put something else on the banishing light, you now you have, like, technically two items tracked to banishing light, so when it leaves, they both go back, but they're both there from different effects, so they're gonna have different. A world to hurt. A world to hurt. TLDR didn't get to do it unlimited, but yeah, we got close. And it's... Yeah. <laughs> and that's, you know, that... It will be neat to see. Mm -hmm. Neat. Yeah. Air quotes. Pure air quotes. Uh, what's going to happen with that? Yeah. Because I, you know, I... They are getting so far into the Hearthstone model, it seems like. Which, it, brilliantly, Hearthstone did an amazing thing the other week. Your entire collection is weighted for, like, wild cards. Really? Not just rares and mythics, your entire collection now. And you won't get anything until you get a playset of that of every single card in that rarity. Which is great. Huh. But, uh, yeah, so they just keep going more and more on this Hearthstone model, and I think that Hearthstone is great, but it's a model that only exists digitally. It can only be tracked well digitally. The tournaments can only be done well digitally. It's not something that it can exist in paper. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see the day, and I think it's coming, like, most assuredly, where we will have something that manipulates your opponent's library in some way that randomly it gets shuffled in or something, right? Similar to the traps that we have on... Like Hearthstone. Oh, okay, okay. And when that happens, that will be the absolute death knell of paper magic. Got it. Yeah, but I I understand that. Um, interesting thing about uh, we got two more bullet points for this digital top-down style design. Uh, the the last keyword we want to talk about is mutate, and I uh, my my show notes for this just say enough said. This is a great idea it's you know basically the way i've read it explained and it has not been explained properly yet because the release notes aren't out is that it effectively is going to function like bestow as far as the stack is concerned but once it's on there it depends on wh whether or not the creature that has mutate is on top or on bottom if it's on top then it sets the power of toughness. If it's on bottom, it just lends its keywords and abilities. I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong about the power of toughness thing. Yeah, this, I. This is dumb. My problem I, I, is the top or bottom choice, because that opens you up to possible manipulation at some point. It's yeah. a lot. It, there are a lot of decision points to be made with this. It is great uh, as as a design because it is thought-provoking and ev every mutation unless it's some combo mutation 
provides a number of choices and things to think about now and in the long term. However, the ability to flip-flop things when people aren't looking, again, presents opportunity. That's my concern. Yeah. The the ability to sleight of hand here is kind of a problem. Um, which, again, it's angle shooting. It happens, whatever. It doesn't have a whole lot of impact financially until you think about the fact that faith-based economy, if faith is lost in the quality of the game because magic is dying, uh, suddenly the economy is worth less. And we're not exactly in a position now where the magic economy is great anyways with everything going on, obviously. Yep. Happens. Yeah, yeah it, this is just something that plays out well and easily in digital, even on Moto. It's just the whole manipulation of this card in paper because it's going to function like a bestow and we still don't have a clear idea of how you're supposed to represent bestow six, seven years later. Yeah. You know, it's like the, the, the boggle paradigm. When you stack enough stuff on a boggle, how are you supposed to figure out how big it is or what exactly every enchantment does? Well, everybody just stacks every, vertically under it and then you have to pull yeah. all the cards apart to read it. Not not the not the most intuitive design and something that, that lends itself to pointing out like this is a digital ability first. Yeah. Uh, the last thing we want to talk about in regards to digital design is one singular card, one singular artifact called Crystalline Chris, Crystalline Giant, however you want to pronounce it. It's a three three for three. Great rate. At the beginning of combat on your turn, randomly choose a kind of counter at random from Crystalline that Crystalline Giant doesn't have on it from among Flying, First Strike, Death Touch, Hexproof, Lifelink, Menace, Reach, Trample, Vigilance, and plus one, plus one, put a kind of that kind of counter on Crystalline Giant. Effectively, if you have this thing out for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten combat steps, exactly, not ten, that many combat steps, it will, it will have every keyword, and a plus one plus one counter on it at the end, but you have to choose randomly from that list. So now in paper, you're rolling a die until who knows when to figure out what you're going to put on this thing. Did but it they? has to live for ten turns, I, and the game is over by then. No, it's not in casual EDH. Imagine this: you, your first combat step with this thing, you take out your ten-sided die and you roll a three, and you've determined that's death touch because that's the third keyword on the list. Then your next combat step, you take out that 10-sided uh, die, and you roll a 3. And a 3, and a 3, and a 3. And now you've wasted everybody's time with this card. Digitally, yeah. it's instant. It's just going to RNG you one of these. Yep. And because it's a choice, it's not even a coin flip. You can't even slide it into the Krark's Thumb EDH decks. It's just an... Nope. It's just an at random. This is a card that is going to do its thing quickly and easily in, uh, on digital, but is going to be a little bit of a nag in paper. It's yep. not good enough, I don't think, to play in Constructed, because it does nothing the turn it comes down, unless you ran... Haste is not on this. So it will do no. nothing that first turn you play it. Yeah. Oh. So it's going to be a menace in limited, and that's it. Digital, and there you go. But this is a card yeah. that you can look at and say, here we are. This is where we are for digital right now. You know. Great. 
Yep, because it involves a choice at random. The end. And that's fine. Stupid. It it absolutely is for paper. You could have put this as a, a secret card in the set or something later on that was digital only because I really doubt that people are going to be clamoring for a giant artifact, literally. Yeah. It's, uh, it's real dumb. Agreed. Not a fan. Hun- I think it's bad design, random is bad. And I think that this is something that, like, if there were a card to point to and say, this is it, this is the end, I'm not doing that with this card. But if I were, this would be the card. Yeah. Out of the entire set, I would say this is where we have destroyed design space for magic forever. We're never coming back. It's trash. Everything sucks. Yeah. Because it's a choice. I'm not saying that because of this card. That's just my general feeling. Yeah. But... I, yeah. Understood. Understood. Yeah. Uh, a choice at random is a fa- like once you start doing that, like it's just levels of RNG that don't matter and your game is effectively poop. The end. Yep. Pack it up. We're going home. Yeah. So, yeah. This week, not a lot of finance talk because, you know, set's delayed. We're getting spoilers for both Commander and we're getting spoilers for the set as a whole. We're still waiting on the land cycle that Morrow promised us, but we have a lot of the highlights. You know, as we move along and we start seeing, like, real prices come up on some of this stuff, we'll be able to talk a little more about, oh, you know, what is the 1-1... The blue-white fairy dragon that has better prowess is going to show up in modern land legacy because it's just better than storm chaser mage like we can give you some financial direction or the blue astral slide that like i mentioned earlier hasn't fully been translated but does read like astral slide with a yeah with a trigger uh, on it to pay one you know that thing's going to be good we can talk a little bit more about this most likely next week. We just wanted to talk about player sentiment because that does matter to finance overall. If sentiment is low and players are unhappy, nobody's going to buy into it. And yep. the financial landscape is actually kind of interesting. Boxes go down. Singles go up. Yep. Because the boxes haven't been opened, so there is infinite supply and no demand. Meanwhile, people want to play standard, but there's no supply and all the demand. So th- this does matter. And yep. You know, because I was just kind of meh yesterday, we got that announcement about Mystery Boosters, which does impact finance a little bit, but we really won't know how things shake out for another couple of weeks. So, yeah, thanks for bearing with us in that. Uh, It'll be, it'll be, yeah, appreciate it. And for that, picks. Oh, absolutely. You want to go first? Uh, Yeah, I'll go first. Okay. Yeah. I I, I like mine because I had that neat neat aha moment. So, uh, long story short, it's uh, Skullbriar the Walking Grave, which is from the original Commander set and reprinted in uh, anthologies. And it's a card that just kind of farted around, did a whole lot of nothing, spiked around Modern Masters 2, and the best I can tell is because that contains doubling season, and doubling season works well with Skullbriar. And then we can see it just goes down, 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 and then comes back up. So... Prior to that spike, I was looking at the CK hot list, which is the banner on their, not the banner, the little slider on their main site. And like I I mentioned Mm -hmm. last week, we've got a tool that pulls it apart. And I noticed that Skullbriar was on there for a little bit. I was like, all right, what does Skullbriar do again? I just thought I got counters. And I I said this to to you in PM. I'm like, I have, I'm choosing Skullbriar, but I have to figure out why. Why? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, it just... Keeps plus one, plus one counters. It kills quickly. One, two, three, four, five. That is 15 damage. So the like, yeah. six swings with or six counters, you're dead. That's it. 21. Yeah. You've, yep. you've aced somebody, right? And then I looked at it again. There's more text to it. Every counter stays on Skullbriar. 
So every keyword counter you can put on Skullbriar stays on Skullbriar, and it has haste to begin with. Yep. So that just makes it this mean machine as a general. It just comes out swinging, and you can keep giving it keywords until everybody's dead. Or somebody's dead. You can just target them. It doesn't matter. But this is a card that was on uh, Star City Commander, and the price lagged behind for a very long time, which generally doesn't happen. This card cleaned up there. It's been in a couple other of other videos. It was on the hot list for a little while. Basically, this card yep. is underpriced for what it does. Adoption rate in EDH, not that high yet. Yeah. But it is... Uh, very synergistic with what's going on in Akoria, when you can just power it up. You don't need doubling season. You don't need parallel lives. It just does its thing. You can throw out some plus one, plus ones, and then you just give it keywords, rogue's passage, kill. Yep. Uh, as I mentioned, this is in the original commander set and anthologies. That's it. That's like maybe one and a half printings, two if you want to be really liberal about it. Yeah. Until we get a reprint, this card is just going to do nothing but go up. It spiked the first time around Modern Masters, as I showed in the graph. It popped over 15. The last time I remember this card, it was 8. So when I saw the buy price on Card Kingdom at about $2 and change, compared to a little bit over 3 last week on the retail side of things, that's that was the time to move in, and they were going quick. I put in an order yeah. because I just didn't have any, and as I was checking out, they were pulled from my cart because somebody bought the ones I was I was looking at. Like people are on Happens. this, yeah. People are on this card. It is super synergistic with the standard set. It's synergistic with the EDH set that's coming out. The Abzan deck basically has everything you need for this card, yeah. But not this card. So you can, yeah, just, very true. You're just walking into a great setup with this. Do I think it's going to go past fifteen? Though is the question. I don't think so. I think eight to ten is realistically the ceiling on this card until it gets a reprint. So I would move on it as quickly as possible and just just trade it out for edh all day long to it's, me yeah this is a quick flip for uh, me. edh whatever casual players you can get a hold of yep. is definitely going to be your out yeah um it's, that's that's where i'd be with it too yeah, yeah that's I, solid i don't really want to be on this card uh that long if i got in at closer to five um yeah if if people got in when we talked about it in our discord originally and they got in at like the three-ish dollar price tag i'd be happy holding past five um yeah and sit on it longer once it hits five if i got in around them i would hope for seven and just out i wouldn't want to yeah. get too greedy just in case so keep that in mind so uh my pick also on the counters theme because i think this many counters is dumb yep uh you kind of missed the boat on this one though yes uh, when this is aired but when it was picked it was fine mm -hmm. solemnity Players can't get counters and can't be put on artifacts, creatures, enchantments, or lands. Uh, this card is real bad. It is not good, I don't think. I think that it is getting a lot of hype right now because of Ikoria. Uh -huh. Rightfully so, because counters are great right now. So anything that deals with counters is good. Somehow, a little bit of a shout-out, Aether Snap has still not taken off yet. So that's definitely a solid one to pick up if you haven't. But... This is a card that has always had EDH viability since it was released, yes. way back when the set came out. And now that we have a Counters Matter set, it is a little bit more important. Now, we're looking at a mid of about, I think, $5 now, and it was sub a dollar when I'd initially picked this card. But it's something that I think if you haven't gotten on yet, you may still have people that are sitting on it in bulk binders that just don't realize yep. 
I would say go to your LGS. You can't really, unfortunately. But if you know people that work there, you can reach out and say, hey, I want to pick some stuff up. If they're doing curbside, go for that. Yep. But I think this card is probably a solid out at about 6 to $7. Uh, the buy list, if I were going to buy list, so Card Kingdom did not lower their buy list prices with all of this going on, by and large. Cool stuff did. I would go to Card Kingdom for this one. Yep. Their buy list reacts very quickly to spikes like this, and they'll buy quantity. Yes. So I would definitely out to a buy list like that if you've got if you're sitting on them. If you're trying to pick them up, if you can't trade them out at about two to three dollars, I would honestly wait a little bit to pick them up. That is fine because I don't think that like seven dollars is the right price to pick it up right now. Agreed. But I picked it this weekend. Sorry guys, if you weren't in the patron patreon you didn't get access to that pick beforehand mea culpa yeah that's fine um and i, I want to point out uh, about this that uh, very early on in spoiler season came the reason this card spiked it wasn't just all the other counters it is luminous brood moth yep luminous brood moth basically allows you to cycle a creature back from uh, your graveyard put a flying counter on it but with solemnity, solemnity, you cannot give that creature a flying counter because the creatures cannot get counters. Thus, yep. it just comes back. If you have a sack okay. outlet like Nantuko Husk or the creature you sacked was Fanatical Firebrand, the one one from Ixalan with yeah. Haste that is Bad Mog Fanatic, Yep, you can do infinite damage like that. Nant Nantuko Husk is just a sack outlet, but you can grow it and swing with it. This is effectively... Uh, two parts of a pioneer combo which means it will roll into modern and older formats uh, EDH you've already especially. got counters company as a deck so there's going to be something like that mardu lists and edh that can run murderous red cap for infinite damage as well yep. there's a ton of ways to abuse this yes long term i'm a little bit scared of a reprint as far as edh goes so if i were getting this for the edh market which i do think is great long term for this card yep. i would go in on the foils Okay. That would just be my spot to go for. Yeah, I think now that's the correct call to make. If you're able to get in prior when we talked about this originally, then that was definitely then going in on the, the non foils was uh, was fine as well. Yeah. <clears throat> I like solemnity long term. Cinnamon. Yeah. Cinnamon. Cinnamon. I love cinnamon. I, I I like the card long term as well because it just prevents shenanigans on both sides of the table. It's like this old card from I think it's World Wake. It's an enchantment called Terra Eternal that makes all lands indestructible. So it's not indestructible. It's not like Sacred Ground, which only makes your land kind of pseudo indestructible. All of them. Yeah. No shenanigans at all. And so it's this kind of just equalizing effect. Everybody's treated the same. We're turning everything off here. So. Agreed. I would fear a commander or some wacky pioneer uh, reprint. Yeah. But until then, I, I think this card is fine to, to sit on, trade it out as you feel like, or just buy a list it in time. I, I don't think you're going to get hosed for a while. We're three out of five uh, commander decks deep right now. I don't think we're going to see much in regards to that. So. Nah. Uh, but uh, I think we're... We're all set with this one. We'll be back next week for... Uh, I'll be back with a quick hit, and then we'll be back with a full episode on time. Yep. So, until then, I am at Halt. I am Reptar. You are... At Thirsty Sizzling. And we are at MTG Ballcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Patreon. So, we'll see you yep. next week. See ya.